Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. So we're finishing up with the written portion of our fourth step. There is still having to share this with someone, but we're ending on this week's episode called Sexual Maturity. Because as we get to the latter half of working through who we may have harmed, the guilt, maybe remorse uh, with past partners, we can see the change happening. And I guess it's kind of like Paradise by the Dashboard Lights from Meatloaf. You know, that young love, that back and forth, if you remember, the quintessential, will you love me forever? And what we may or may not have done to say yes, sure, to get what we wanted. I know I was guilty of it because I was a red-blooded kid who really, really liked the idea of girls when I was younger. And I was willing to say just about anything to find out what they looked like without their clothes on. We have to make sure that as we look back and we see maybe we did no harm, but maybe in our drinking, in my drinking, I know I did. So we have to confront that. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to tell us about finishing up our fourth step and our sexual maturity. Now back to the book. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test, was it selfish or not? Now, the book doesn't care how you do sex. If you want to do sex hanging upside down from a tree limb by your toenails, that's fine with the book. But if you're forcing somebody else to do that with you that they don't want to, that's probably for a selfish reason. That's the main thing we look at. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We find prayer again. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we've done harm, provided we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter, The right answer will come if we want it. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. You know, this is an area that I don't think we need a whole lot of advice in anyhow. If God dwells within each of us, and I'm sure he does, I think most of us already have the answers deep inside ourselves about all we need to do is just listen to that voice we have inside ourselves. Quite often people come to me today and and they'll have a question about a sex thing and and my usual answer is, well, what do you think? And almost invariably they've got the right answer already. Besides that, I don't know that we ought to be looking around in AA for sexual advice anyhow. My God, I can't think of a worse place to find it in AA. (laughs) Now, suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we're going to get drunk? 
Well, some people tell us so, but this is only a half-truth. It depends on us and our motives. If we're sorry for what we've done and we have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. If we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. You see, they had the same sex problems then that they got today. It's not any different. Everybody has problems with sex. That's part of human nature. The only question is, is what are we going to do about those things? Are we going to keep on hurting people? Are we going to keep on robbing ourselves of peace of mind and happiness? Are we going to continue to do those things till we get drunk over them? Or are we going to try to do something about the situation and with God's help shape a new sex life for the future where we don't have to hurt people with it? Now to sum up about sex, by the way, sex is used, prayer is used three times in this area of sex. More prayer. We earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and the strength to do the right thing. Now, if sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the horny condition. I mean, it quiets the... <laughs> Excuse me. It, <laughs> it quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Bill has a sly sense of humor, doesn't he? Now, if we've been thorough about our inventory, we've written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. Now, he doesn't say so, but we've listed and analyzed our fears. We've listed and analyzed our sex conduct of the past. Quite often today in AA, you hear the word, utilize, but don't analyze. But the book does use the word analyze. And to analyze something really means to get down to the truth of it. That's all it is. We've taken a moral, truthful, analytical inventory. We've gotten down to the truth of our resentments, our fears, and our sex conduct of the past. That's all that means. We begin to comprehend their fertility and their fatality. We've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. You know, we've emphasized over and over, this is not a negative thing. This is a positive happening. And here at the end of step four, we, we've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies. Man, that's a radical change in our personality. And we're just now finishing up with step four. So the changes are already taking place. We have listed the people we've hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you've already made a decision. Step three. And an inventory of your grosser handicaps. Step four. You have made a good beginning. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. He says we have made an inventory of our grosser handicaps. I think one of the great mistakes in AA is everybody's sitting around waiting till they get well so they can do step four perfect. And I think here he recognizes that we're not ever going to do it perfect. Let's look at the grosser handicaps. Let's get rid of some of those things. That'll give us enough peace of mind, serenity, that we can get on with the rest of the program. What are the grosser handicaps? Resentment. 
fear, shame, guilt, and remorse. What are the gross handicaps? The things that cause those things. Selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, frightened, and inconsiderate. We've looked at all those things. We've analyzed them. We've got rid of a lot of that stuff. Already, we are becoming a lot better off than we were before. As I look back in my past life, I think this inventory is about all I need anyhow. I can never remember an emotional situation in my life that did not revolve around one of three things. I was either mad or in hell at somebody, I was scared to death about something, or I'd done something and hurt somebody else and guilt and remorse was eating me up. As I project into the future, I don't see anything coming up that won't be involved in one of those three things. I'm either mad or in hell, scared to death, or I've done something and hurt somebody else and guilt and remorse is eating me up. This seems to be pretty well complete for us. It really does work. Now, I don't know whether you all have noticed or not, but nearly all the information on, in the big book on sex is on page 69. <laughs> it really is. I, I don't know that that has any meaning whatsoever, but that's where most of it is. We heard a story about a young lady in AA who had been sober maybe 90 days. And she went to see her sponsor, and she said, Sponsor, i got a problem. And her sponsor said, What is it? And she said, Well, it's this sex thing. She said, Sober, I don't know how to function. She said, Anything I've ever done in the sexual area, tried to attract a member of the opposite sex or anything else, it's always been while drinking. And she said, I don't know what to do sober. Her sponsor said, Well, you need to go home, get your big book out, read page 69, and it will answer any questions you might have. And the young lady went home, got her book out, proceeded to read, but she got confused on page numbers. Instead of page 69, she read page 96, just for the hell of it. Why don't you go to 96 and see what she read? I think that's one of the most appropriate things I ever read. It just goes on and on and on. <laughs> Let's take about a 15-minute break. Okay, I admit it, guilty as charged. I did finish off this week's episode as they were laughing with the nice little fun joke. If you have not looked at page 69 versus pages 96 in the big book, you're going to miss this joke, but it truly is worth your time to crack the book open and figure out why when everything talking about sex on page 69 just kind of gets turned around a little bit. Also, what a great chapter episode this week. Again, talking about change, talking about starting to see, starting to be able to look back and see that we're not the way we were as the steps are starting to affect change on us because if you look at your inventory all the parts of it and you say i don't want to be like that anymore and you start releasing the parts that you don't like then you're opening up your heart to let god in remember you cannot put more love or caring or <laughs> Anything else into a jar or a vessel that's already full.
you have to get rid of some of the baggage. You have to clear the decks. And again, the whole point of this exercise the last few weeks has been like a business inventory. If you do not discount and get rid of or even donate the old, the baggage, the clutter, if you don't clear those out, you're never going to make room for the new things that will make life so much better. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.